0: The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. The Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not?" But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this, and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise, Praise to you, o Christ. I recently came across an article where seven thought leaders two novelists, a philosopher, a poet, a psychoanalyst, a reporter and a biographer, were asked to respond to this question. What is the point? The first six offered carefully crafted, paragraphs-long answers. They were articulate and interesting, thoughtful and wise, each one unique in its perspective but it was the seventh response that stayed with me long after I read it. It was by far the most memorable and compelling of them all. Memorable because it was only a four-word answer, and compelling because of what it said. The biographer responded, The point is love. I was reminded of this article, and most particularly of that response as I read the gospel for Matthew 22 for this weekend. You heard it just a moment ago. While at first blush, it appears that this is a text about taxes, Jesus' response to the question posed to him turns that topic on its head and makes it about something much bigger and far more important. Should one be asked? What is the point Jesus is making in this reading? One could most accurately respond, The point is love. Let me explain. The reading begins by telling us that the Pharisees and the Herodians have teamed up in order to trap Jesus. This is a strange partnership The Herodians supported the continued rule by those who descended from Herod, while the Pharisees, on the other hand, were offended at the very thought of paying taxes to a foreign government. To be sure, under any other circumstances, they would have been at odds with one another, but on this particular occasion, they joined forces. It's an example of that ancient proverb at work The enemy of my enemy is also my friend. So after buttering up Jesus with faint praise, they posed the question, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Answering this yes or no question is a lose-lose proposition for Jesus. If he answers yes, he will be in conflict with the religious authorities. But if he answers no, he would be seen as a traitor. It seemed, at least from the perspective of the Pharisees and the Herodians, that they had him. It seemed as though their plan was perfect. They had an unanswerable question and an inescapable trap. It was a perfect setup. Or so they thought. Jesus not only saw through the flattery, which he called hypocrisy, but he also clearly recognized their intent, which he called malice. And he asked, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Rather than wait for an answer, he did something absolutely brilliant. He asked for a coin, a denarius. Turning it over in his hand, he asked whose image was on it. Archaeologists have found these coins, and they do indeed bear the image of the emperor Caesar Augustus, along with an inscription calling Caesar not only divine, but also naming him to be a high priest. Imagine with me this scene. Here was Jesus, God's only son, fully human and fully divine. Our great high priest, here he was, standing before these two groups, holding that coin, acclaiming both divinity and station to the emperor. I imagine Jesus taking a moment to study the coin before he looked up and said, Give therefore to the emperor the things that belong to the emperor. In other words, this must belong to Caesar. It has his image engraved on it. Let him have it. Give it back to him. But then, then came the clincher and Jesus continued, give to God the things that are God's. With that, Jesus turned the entire encounter upside down and inside out. Suddenly, they weren't talking about taxes anymore because that really wasn't the point, never was the point. Give to God the things that are God's. The words from the very first chapter of the Bible are helpful here as we extend the analogy introduced by Jesus. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 reads, So God created humankind in his image, in his image, in the image of God. He created them. Male and female, he created them. In Hebrew, the repetition of a thought in back-to-back verses is like using an exclamation point and all caps and the biggest font you can find and then underlining it and bolding it all for emphasis. Hear it again. God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. The opening words of Scripture declare, You, you, every single one of you has been created in God's image. You bear the mark of God on your very being. You therefore belong to God. The Bible tells us that when Jesus said, Give to God the things that are God's, the Pharisees and the Herodians were amazed. And so ought we to be, because it is no small thing to bear God's image. In fact, we could spend all day, we could spend our entire lifetimes unpacking what it means to be made in God's image. But for now, let it be enough to note that while being made in God's image makes us holy, beloved, worthy, and precious in our Creator's eyes, It also means that we, we alone in all of creation have the capacity to reflect back into the world the character and the qualities of God our world so desperately needs. Qualities like humility, compassion, kindness, forgiveness, grace, mercy, and above all, love. Sacrificial love. Now we know because of sin our godlike image is broken and tarnished. We know that too often what gets reflected back to the world is but a poor shadow of the glory of God. This is when we need to be reminded that God became one of us and gathered up all of our flaws and our sin and took it with him to the cross. The cross, marked on your forehead at baptism, is a permanent reminder, not only of the image of God in which you were created, but also it is an ever-present reminder of the sacrificial love of God for you. So do you see, the point is love. Thomas Merton put it this way. You can read along this quote as printed on the final page of the bulletin. To say that I am made in the image of God is to say that love is the reason for my existence, for God is love. Love is my true identity. Selflessness is my true self. Love is my true character. Love is my name. Give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God, the things that are God's. As he turns that coin over and over in his hands, we see that Jesus isn't concerned with the tax, but rather he's concerned about those who bear God's image. And he's concerned enough to go to the cross. The point is love, God's sacrificial love for you and your love poured out in gratitude to a world in need. Thanks be to God. Amen.